Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I have another wonderful human being here with me with quite a story to tell. We've uh, had an opportunity to go back and forth with a couple of emails prior to this recording. And uh, as much as I'm never excited to have to do one of these interviews because of the circumstances that the person I'm interviewing is dealing with, I am excited to share these stories because I do believe that they need to be heard. So if you feel the same, please share this podcast with uh, anybody that you think needs to hear it. I would dare say that's everyone. Uh, Get it out there to as many people as you can. And if you like to watch it on video and you're listening on the your podcast app, you can go to rumble.com. The link will be in the description if you'd like to watch the video and see uh, who I'm interviewing. Without further ado, though, let's go ahead and get right into it. Kelly is with me today. She's in Florida. I'm in Utah, and uh, we're ready to start the Dearly Discarded podcast. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this for me and everyone else. Well, thank you for being willing to uh, stand up and, and tell your story. I think it's very important. Uh, let's learn a little bit about you prior to injury. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, you know, everyone has a skewed sense of themselves, but I thought, I mean, I, I thought I was finally in a really like good place. Um, I was, uh, working as a, uh, personal injury paralegal of all things. Um, uh, I've also worked as a bartender for, for 17, 18 years or something like that. Um, I did four years in the army. Um, I, uh, I was a late bloomer, so I changed my major a bunch of times, ended up with a dual degree in social and criminal justice. And then I went on to get a paralegal certificate and that's how I ended up a paralegal. Um, uh, I kind of wanted to end up somehow helping injured people. I thought I would end up helping injured soldiers. I'm not saying I'm helping anybody now, but, um, because I was medically discharged from the army and I was, you know, treated badly because I was injured in the army and I watched people hurt, hurt way worse than me, you know, with traumatic brain injuries and all this like suffer and not get the, what they were, you know, do. And I was like, I got to figure out a way to, to help people. I landed in personal serious bodily injury law. Um, interesting. I had finally bought my, you know, I had a real, a real job, you know, even though when you're a bartender, (laughs) that's a real job. (laughs) And I paid real taxes for a long time, but, um, uh, both of those jobs, uh, require a lot of really good interpersonal skills and relationships and 
probably the highest level of executive functioning you can get. Uh, and you will see as we go on, that's not, that's not how I perform anymore. Hmm. Um, I had finally bought my first home. I had a triplex in the suburbs. I had a huge group of friends before COVID hit. Um, I, I mean, I thought I'd made it. Um, my dad was living in an assisted living facility. I moved him a few miles from my house and I saw him several times a week, helping him and taking care of him. Um, we can talk about that later if you want. Um, and then it's like an atomic bomb went off in my life. So how long ago were you discharged from the army? Um, I served from 2009 to 2014 and, okay. um, I only realized now, like I had to fight for my discharge then too, but I only realized now that like they told you just be happy with whatever rating you get, you know, it doesn't matter what it's for. I left the army on crutches, by the way, hmm. as my unit deployed, <laughs> um, wow. but yeah, but, um, I was rated mostly for anxiety. Uh, yeah. And then, um, and now I'm actually receiving unemployability and most of that rating is for anxiety, even though I now have something like 73 ICD codes. Wow. So I was kind of, you know, I had interesting thought I was going to sneeze. Oh, uh, I hate that when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> That's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people uh, clearly who've been, you know, injured by these uh, COVID jabs. Uh, but you have uh, a pretty unique perspective because it sounds like this wasn't quite your first rodeo in a lot of ways uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with the gaslighting and everything else. That'll be interesting to get into here in a minute. Um, how old are you? How old am I or how old do I feel? <laughs> Let's go for both. Um, I am 44 years old. Um, I know I don't look it. That's the EDS I learned. Now I just, they're like, you have beautiful skin. And I said, thanks. It's a symptom of my genetic <laughs> disorder because I'm a weirdo now. But <laughs> um, I feel about 80, 84, somewhere around there most days. And uh, were you, when you got the vaccine well first off when were you vaccinated with the covid vaccine um march and april of 21 i i got those suckers as soon as i could and which uh variety did you get i got two moderna shots two moderna and you say you got them as soon as you could because why what was your mindset at that point well and at that point what was my yeah. mindset at that point yeah Okay. Why did you decide to get them? Because it's a whole different story now. <laughs> um, sure. I mean, uh, well, I, I was the I was the one who you know protect other people, protect your grandma, protect your dad in assisted living, because those were my only two family members. Was my ninety something year old grandma nearby and my dad in assisted living? I had to see them. I had to help them. You know. Um, but also, like, you know, um. To, uh, to go places. Like, I'm not going to be like, that's the only reason I was like, I thought that meant I could go to concerts now and I could go to restaurants mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, have a life again world. I, I'm a 
sucker. Hmm. Now that's well, what I feel like. <laughs> probably edit that. Well, it. I ask that question of almost everybody I interview because it is interesting. People went into it with different mindsets, um, and you know, some of the people that uh, I, th I think a lot of the people, the majority of the people, looked at it similarly to you. Uh, that it was the right thing to do, essentially, for, you know, whatever different reasons they may have. Um, so you weren't mandated to do it. It wasn't a job mandate, but no, you, you but just felt was, like it was the right thing to do. But that was really traumatic when they started doing that to people. That was sure. yeah. really, really traumatic. For That's kind of when the TV started getting turned off. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Uh, when did you first start to see problems? Um, well, um, after just after the first dose, I got a little bit dizzy and I, I, they had to sit me aside for like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes or something. But after like 10 minutes, I just dipped out cause I figured, well, whatever, I'm, I'm fine. I'm alive. I'm like, you know. I've had mild, you know, allergies to things before. So I was like, oh, my body probably just went, hello, and I'm fine. And right. I went on. If, if I wasn't fine, I wouldn't have gotten the second one. The second one also made me feel a little bit dizzy. But, um, and again, I waited, this time I only waited like five minutes because I was like, I'm fine, you know. Um, but I would say they started right after the second dose, like as much time as I've had in, in retrospect. Um, I, I'm never late. Well, I was never late for anything. I was in the military. I was 15 minutes earlier. I got physical punishment. Right. But I was meeting friends out that night that are always late, always really late. And I was later than them. I just couldn't get ready. I couldn't find things. I could, I was like frantic. I was anxious. So I show up late to dinner. Um, my friend said something, uh, I mean, my obnoxious friend said something obnoxious, which normally I would just blow off, but I didn't. I walked away from the table uh, for what I thought was a few minutes to text my mom, and it wasn't. Apparently, I was gone for quite some time. Uh, and then we, I had only had like two drinks. We were celebrating my second, everyone had their second dose. So we were, I said, I'm not going to restaurants. And you know, we had very strict rules and restrictions as a little friend group as to what we were doing. And we were like celebrating that we were all double jab. Hmm. Uh, but, um, but I had, so I didn't have that much to drink at all. And I have pretty high tolerance being an ex bartender. We moved on to the next place. And again, I went missing for like a few hours and my friends left me and I came back. I like, I don't even know like where I was. And I had, I did not have that much to drink at all. Like maybe two, maybe two had started in on my third. That was it. And going through the text later after we got in a huge fight, because I was like, why would you guys leave me at a bar? Like, I'm not the kind of person that just disappears from a bar. That's like, like if any one of y'all disappeared from a bar, I would not leave until I found you, you know? So we got in a huge fight about like, how could you guys leave me? And then like later on, I'm, I'm, and the neuropsych symptoms have been going ever since then, right? Right. Ever since probably right after the second one. But, um, but I realized later, like going through the phone, just because it takes me so long to put things together now that they were texting me for 
for one to two hours looking for me. So at that point, there was obviously a lot of confusion and uh, not just with you, but with your friends and what was going on with you and all that kind of stuff. But uh, what were you thinking was happening at that point? In, in, in my mind, I didn't realize how much time had passed. And that is a chronic problem with me, like just losing like hours of time or sometimes an, an entire day. And I'm like, what, what have I been doing? It's not that I black out. It's just that I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it, honestly. It's just I have a hard concept of time, the passage of time, how long ago something happened. Um, and I already forgot the question you asked me. Well, what what did you, you didn't think anything was wrong at that point? Um, no, like in my mind, because I thought I'd only been gone for a few minutes. So I was like infuriated that my friends would leave me at a bar by myself. Like, that's not safe if you can't find, you know, like, so in my mind, everything was rational and it took me like a few weeks to realize, and I was mad at everybody and, and that's just my current usual state now. But, uh, you know, it took me a while to put the timeline together that they were right, that I just flat out disappeared. So then how, what other symptoms did you start to notice after that besides the neuropsychiatric stuff? Um, well, I woke up the next morning with like the worst neck pain I've ever had. Like I looked at my, I had a room a roommate for a brief period and I looked at my roommate and I said, it feels like I broke my neck. And, and, and I had, and, and I thought I, what I had was a mild hangover because I always got terrible hangovers. Uh, now I know why histamine intolerance, but, um, but I was just sick. Like my glands were swollen, like, like my body hurt, uh, super congested, like my eyes were swollen and stuff like that. Now I know it was a, likely a mast cell reaction, at least the angioedema and the flushing and all that stuff. Um, but, um, uh, from there I just contacted my doctor and I mean, we just, just briefly, yeah, I got my COVID vaccines, but like n neither of us thought that that's like what had happened at all. He's, he thought that it was just coincidental. He treated me for a sinus infection. He thought I had a sinus infection and did some labs and stuff. And that hospital graphs labs and my labs, I had a checkup just probably like a month or two before then. And everything was pretty normal, a little high cholesterol, everything else was normal. And then after that visit, the, my lab chart goes like, like just all over the place with all the CBC results and just mm. crazy. My immune system went crazy. Um, so he treated me with, with, um, some steroids, which the first day I took a prednisone, I took a picture cause it's like my whole face cleared up and I felt more clear headed. And I was like, Oh, I found the wonder drug. This is going to cure me next day. No more effects. Hmm. And that's, and that's happened with quite a bit of medication. So you're walking down this path, essentially your doctor, it sounds like, is kind of guessing at what's wrong and applying medicine based on that. But 
you're not getting results other than the one morning with the prednisone. Uh, what did you do after that? Did you look at other for other medical advice? Uh, what was happening at that point? Um, I and again, like I might get the timeline wrong because that's just how sure. it is now. But I had um, I had said after my second dose because I because the jobs that were being I was laid off. I had just switched jobs to a big law firm and I was laid off because I was the first one hired and then the last one hired and then the pandemic hit. So I knew I was on the chopping block, man, you know? Um, but then um, I said, well, you know, I'll just go back and bartend for a while, but I'm not doing it until I get my second dose. And so I had already gotten hired and then I got the second dose and I had to start calling in sick to this guy. Like my doctor thinks I have a sinus infection or what he's like, it's cool. Like, I really want you to bartend here. So, you know, just take all the time you need. The guy was so cool, but I just every week kept saying, I'm not better, dude. Like I'm worse. Like I'm not better. Like, and that's when I just started like wondering if it's possible that I've had an allergic reaction from this. Um, you know, I eventually just as a, a good employee and knowing the business said, please hire someone else. I don't know what's happening to me. I can't hold you up. You know, like this mm -hmm. is not good. And luckily then I still had money in the bank from having a really good job for a really long time. So yeah. I was able to take time off, but I mostly just laid on my couch and I was sweating. And uh, he eventually, he eventually referred me to an allergist and that was the first time I got gaslit since this happened. He, uh, his, his suggestion without doing much of anything to me or any labs at that point, um, was that I had all these mast cell symptoms and all of these crazy symptoms uh, that had started to accumulate like a dust ball rolling downhill because I was abusing the anxiety medicine I've been on for like 15 years. So he basically called me a drug addict and he didn't do any labs. And that was the end of that. Wow. So at that point, did you suggest to him that it could possibly be the vaccine? I, yes, I did. I don't think uh -huh. that was ever written in my records. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's not unusual. Um, uh, I eventually just started seeking, just doing my own work. I mean, I worked as an investigative assistant when I was in the army. I have a degree in justice. I investigate for my paralegal job. It's how I won million dollar cases, right? It's proving injuries. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I just got to work because what else are you going to do? Sit at home, like just waiting for someone else to fix something novel. Right. Like I, I did realize that this was a new thing that, that, you know, but I also realized very soon that nobody was talking about it. So, it, I mean, I've been through a lot of doctors. A lot. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say that nobody was talking about it. Um, that wasn't being censored. Oh, there were well, people talking yeah, I mean, about it, right? Like, but like soon after, like I was like, there's no way that that's not what caused this, especially after, um, well, before, I think before I got on Facebook, I started writing people and I don't remember who all I wrote, but I wrote some news organizations. 
I wrote some officials and I was like, look, this has happened. And, and like, no, why is no one talking about this? If it happened to me, it could be happening. It could happen to someone else. We need to let people know. So it doesn't happen to other people, you know? And I'm like frantic and frantically emailing anyone I could copy and pasting Fox news. No one's responding back to me. And I'm like, this is big news. Mm-hmm. I will, I won't, I will never forget my red pill moment. And it was after I realized no one was messaging me back. And after I realized I wasn't seeing anything on the news I'm scouring, I was just like, oh boy, we are up against something. We are up against a monster. And I think I sat and stared. I videoed the whole thing. I think I sat and stared at the wall for like an hour, just trying to soak in the gravity and enormity of what has happened here and the battle, the uphill battle and maybe fruitless battle ahead. It was a whole new world right then and there. Yeah, it must have been an incredible. And, and then, and then, and, and then I started like looking on the Facebook groups, typing in stuff, and and I eventually landed on on one that shall not be named, uh, uh, and realized that there were lots of us like in other countries. So it was not just Moderna. It was not just Pfizer. It was, it it's the. It's the process, not the brand. So, um, but yeah, not soon after that, the shadow banning started, you know, um, I was making a living, uh, additional income at that time, reselling antiques and vintage stuff out of my, uh, garage. And all of a sudden my marketplace stuff had zero views when before I was making a few hundred dollars a week doing that. Wow. Um, and uh, at, at current time, well, I got off Facebook w- willingly, like in August. Um, and there's several reasons I just willingly stepped back, but it's because I was shadow banned like so hard that no one was responding to any of my posts. I knew nobody could see them doing to me. Like I knew what they were doing to me. Right. And, um, You'll probably have to edit this out, but it's psychological warfare, what they're doing there. It's, 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 it's killing people is what it's doing because you isolate people, not only from like their friends that they've known for 20 years, that they have no other way to contact. You're now isolated. Once they labeled me as an advocate, once that I had to go through a second security layer because I was like, okay, here we go. And, um, you know, it's, 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 they, they set it, they set it up to be that way, to be able to control what you see and, and what influences you. And, but I mean, it's just like being bullied, you know, or it's just like, like turning to someone and talking to them and then having them look right at you and not respond. It's just like, am I here? Do I exist? Like, 
even though I know what the platform is doing, it's still harming me. Right. So in, in yeah. August, after they found my second account and shut that one or and just started shadow banning me worse than ever, I just left and I checked on it a few weeks ago, actually, and now it's been suspended. I haven't even been on it and it's suspended. Wow. So I have no access to my support group now. So if any of my buddies are watching, I miss you. I love you. You know how to get my email. Yeah, it's uh, insane uh, what's been done and, and cruel in, in my view, to say the very least. So you you started off. Let's talk a little bit more about doctors for a minute, because I'm curious kind of what's happened since right, you mentioned that there's been a lot. That, then. <laughs> you said your regular MD sent you to an allergist. The allergist basically called you an addict. Uh, where did you go after that to try and find help? I found a better allergist. I just, I started researching, like I started researching my symptoms. I knew pretty quickly it was mast cell recognized that I had always had histamine intolerance. Like in retrospect, there's so much in retrospect now. Sure. That's, those are floodgates. Um, but, but now it was activated. Um, um, and so I just started like, like calling allergists and asking, do they treat this? And most people were like, no, no, no. And back right. then I was still telling doctors that I think I've had an allergic reaction to the vaccine. And so right. most of them were saying, we don't have any appointments or mm -hmm. we're not taking you or we don't treat that sort of thing. I'm like, you're an allergist, aren't you? I need some allergy pills. I need some mast cell stabilizers. I need some nasal sprays. You're an allergist, aren't you? Yeah, we don't treat that, sorry, you know? But I landed yeah. on, I landed with a decent, most of the doctors that have helped me the most have been in private practice. For obvious yeah, reasons, if not obvious. Not surprising. Yeah. Look it up. Um, and he diagnosed me. He did some gene testing. I had a, uh, I have a gene called hereditary alpha tryptosemia. I have a 4-1 copy of it, which means bad if your mast cells are activated and um like in retrospect like ipas used to make me sneeze um it's like couldn't wear some certain jewelry like but none of this like shut down my life you right. know what i mean right. like none of it i kept going on with my life just fine um so um uh, they found the gene, so the, the technical diagnosis of that disorder, which there are many, um, is is uh, mast cell activation syndrome secondary to HETS. So I had the gene, but it wasn't a problem until it, it got mad. Right, yeah. All right, and so where are you at now with your symptoms versus where are you have been have you found ways to find improvement uh what what are you still battling with like it's 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 kind of hard to put things into perspective because well because of the timeline thing but also my memory i have memory problems but i have a stack of pictures like this high that that I go through and take certain 
pictures out of for doctor's appointments because I feel like I have to prove what I'm telling them if my symptoms aren't present at the time, which are the nature, in fact, of most of the things I'm diagnosed with. Is that right. they're intermittent or, you know, right. whatever. I'm not always going to present the same way. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry, I forgot the question again. That's okay. Just where, what is the picture of your symptoms now compared to what it's been? Oh, um, I guess like uh, it's hard to answer because it's just changed so much. Like it took me a while to really like, like I was still cooking stuff. Like I immediately changed my diet and stuff. I was still running errands. Um, uh, but I was doing a lot of sleeping, but I was still able to like get along with people mostly and communicate. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, sorry. You'll see, I'll start to struggle the longer I talk. Um, no problem. Um, like in the beginning it was hell on earth. Like, I don't remember what month that I just really went downhill that it became more than just the mast cell reaction. Hmm. At first I just thought it was the mast cell reaction. It'll calm down, you know, um, you know, I had a theory that the antibodies, like, cause I produced, I mounted a robust immune response and I had a very high level of antibodies for a year. I was checking them. That's also how I know I've never had COVID because I checked them. Hmm. Um, I checked those antibodies too, cause I was hoping I would catch COVID cause then maybe someone would treat me. Right. right. That's weird. But in the beginning I was falling down a lot. Um, I have photos where it looks like someone hit me in the head with a baseball bat. Like my eye, like my eyes are like glazed over and like one eye is kind of sideways. Like I look like I've had some sort of brain injury. I don't know if that was horrible dysautonomia because my heart and BP were doing crazy things. Um, so I was falling down. As, as I said, I had bought a triplex. And so I was like crawling up and down my stairs. I eventually just basically lived on the main floor, only went upstairs to bathe. Um, at, during this whole time, I'm begging the VA for help and they didn't. Um, I was urinating at 1.70 times a day. Wow. Uh, that is an interstitial cystitis diagnosis. A bunch of mast cells excised from my bladder. Um, I had diarrhea. It's embarrassing, but I had diarrhea for eight months, eight months hmm. and no referral to gas. It took, it took eight months uh, almost to get a referral to a gastro doctor to get mm -hmm. all those diagnoses. But, uh, I mean, I had nobody but the people in the online support group to try to figure out like what was happening. And, you know, around the same time, my dad started going down and he had started going downhill before me but he had had his doses before me because he was in a facility. So he right. got them before me, but it was, so I'm really sick. I'm dealing with all this and I'm trying to help my dad, but I'm not putting two and two together 
that his symptoms are sort of like mine because he had had a stroke when he was 47. So, uh, you know, and you know, he was older. So I'm like, these are just right. older people problems, you know, pneumonia, like he started falling down more. He was having neuropsych problems. He, and he, um, and he, he would call me and not know where he was. Sound familiar? Yeah. He would call me and not know where he was. He thought he was in a barber shop one day or something. Um, he started having stomach problems, lung problems. Like now all I see is uh, nervous system dysfunction and mast cell reactions. And I see it all now what was happening, but I was still in the process of learning about what all this stuff was because I'm just, my phone at that time was recording like 20 hours of screen time a day. And it was just me researching, researching, like Googling, like I don't even yeah. I don't use Google anymore, but you know, um, uh, so I didn't put it together until it was too late. Like I'm at the hospital talking to the nurses, like, no, you're pumping him full of this antibiotic and you can't do that because he's having a mast cell reaction. If you're going to give him antibiotics, you got to get him Benadryl. You got to set him up. Like you got to do this. Like, why does he keep getting pneumonia? What is the problem? I now have all the answers to these questions, but it wasn't in time to save my dad. Or I don't know if there was any chance to save my dad. Hmm. I'm sorry. That's a, uh incredible time to have a challenge like that when you're already struggling as much as you were. Yeah. And, uh, I was, I was being, I was, oh, sorry. I haven't had time to grieve my father's death yet because I have been moving and trying to save my own life and trying to help another family member, two other family members that are also sick by just voraciously reading and reaching out to doctors and stuff, which I can't, I just really can't do anymore. Hmm. What have you found anything that has helped you uh, improve? Thank you for repeating the question. I forgot. That's okay. Especially if you ask more than one question in a, if it's a loaded question, I'm like, I'm, I'm I love to ask loaded questions. I'll <laughs> I used to love simple. loaded questions. <laughs> and now my brain just like farts out. If I have more yeah. than one thing I'm supposed to be doing at a time, it's just, it's a hot mess. Um, no worries. I would love to say that I've found like magic bullets. I can tell you that I have spent a great deal on my money on supplements and, uh, and, and it was smart thinking, like I'd get the supplement that worked for this condition, but then I'd find another, and then I'd be diagnosed with something else where that contract indicated that. And then, so I ended up with a huge Tupperware container full of medicine and supplements that didn't work or gave me a bad side effect immediately. Or I found an ingredient in it I was allergic to, or, you know, just, I have tried everything. I even went to church. <laughs> no offense. I'm so, just agnostic. <laughs> it's not an offense. I'm just agnostic. But I was like, Jesus, Oprah, Tom Cruise, somebody. Yeah. So. Uh, the things, the things that, the only things that seem to help me are staying cool staying off my feet 
um, staying cool, but yet at the same time, my uh, I always have a warm blanket. It seems to help with my joints, my body aches, or maybe it's just comforting me. I don't know. Tons of water. Tons. Um, staying out of the heat. Um, I've drastic. I have a very minimal diet. I eat um, low histamine, uh, anti-inflammatory, and low oxalate, and low FODMAP. Which sounds like I only eat three things, but actually, I mean, it's bland. It's I, re I repeat eating the same things. I try to mix it up a little bit, but um, if I eat sugar, my body doesn't like sugar. My body doesn't like oxalates. Um, uh, it, I had a food diary, so I just started, and then I would print food lists from the different associations and then cross-reference them and then just start... It's just, you're just experimenting on yourself, you know, yeah. you're just one big empirical, one long, awful, arduous empirical experiment. Yeah, it's, I certainly know that there's a lot of people in your shoes that have had to do that for sure. I did want to say, cause like, cause this, I don't, I don't like to recommend, like, I don't like to say like, you should definitely do this. And I like, you know, I'm not a doctor. Maybe I should be, right. should have been, but, um, but basically I've been taking the same, so even though I've tried to add in a whole bunch of other things, I've been taking the same supplements since the beginning, which seemed to help. And I'm just keeping in place as an immune system, um, uh, base like magnesium, zinc, um, alternative forms of vitamin C such as camu camu and ascorbic acid, um, mm -hmm. vitamin D, and I have to keep an eye on my, my B12. Uh, and I recently just did iron infusions. Uh, the only supplement that I've trialed twice and I think is helping for sure is. Well, that's an oxymoron, but is PEA. Mm. And I don't ask me to say the whole word poly. I can't, I can't say it, but it's PEA. Yeah, I know. And it, it, it helps, uh, it's supposed to help with exertion and uh, nerve activity. And I believe it's helped with some of the weakness in my lower legs. Interesting. Okay. And give me so maybe just a little, just a little more energy and and intermittent courses of low dose steroids that i've basically given myself hmm. okay so you said that you reached out to the va um did you also file a VAERS report yes i did uh have you heard back from the government on that um that's interesting um i filed a VAERS report I'm listed as whatever the serious or disabled, totally disabled or what I forget the most severe rate, I forget, but it's in there. And at that time they only had like this many of my diagnoses. Um, but I, I remember calling them because I either got a letter, I got a letter in the mail and it said it was from VAERS, but it also had CDC on it which I was like, I thought, 
Never mind. <laughs> uh, huh? So I wanted to clarify. I said who it was a letter asking for my medical records for an urgent matter. And they needed all my medical records within 10 days. And so there's another reason I called them was because I was like, are you nuts? Like I used to be a paralegal. Like I'm, you're not getting any medical records within 10 days. And the person said, that's okay. We can get them ourselves. <laughs> and I yeah. said, how can you get them yourselves without a HIPAA? But we all know the answer to that, I suppose. Um, um, and then I never heard from them again. So I don't know if they have my medical records and continue to get them and read them or what. I have no idea. I have also filed a CICP claim and and that's a joke uh what happened with that uh well i sent it cer certified signature receipt uh because i already had looked up the cicp program and its history of basically being a sham um and uh heard that there were very minimal employees doing very minimal amount of work and um, so I sent a certified signature receipt. I waited a few months because I just I was moving again and sick. And I called them and I was like, what is the status of my claim? Um, it was six months after I filed it, I think. And they were like, oh, we haven't received it yet. And I was like, oh, no, you received it. I have a signature saying that somebody received it. And mm. oh, well, then it's probably backlog. We're real backed up. And I was like, I bet you are. I said, how many employees do you have working there? I'm not allowed to disclose that. I said, it's not very many, is it? I'm not allowed to disclose that. I said, does this program like even exist as means to function and actually compensate people? Does this program exist? Well, if the government says it does, then it does, right? <laughs> That's the response I got. Wow. And, and I've nothing, never heard from them again. And I'm not even going to bother calling them because what they've paid out like three myocarditis claims or something like that. It's it's a waste. It's a waste of my time and effort. I I, I don't believe I don't believe we're going to see any large scale payouts from the CICP program. Yeah, it's certainly doesn't seem likely. Uh, no, because as sure. someone who worked in law, I understand what paying out someone might seem like. Right. Yeah. So at this point in the in the interview, uh, I think the thing that I'd like to make sure that we accomplish uh, here, uh, as I've stated many times, this show is your show, not mine. Uh, are there any other things that you feel people need to know about what's uh, what's happened to you, what's happened to other people uh, based on these COVID vaccines? I thought you weren't going to ask me loaded questions, Jared. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, anything else that you want to say? I want to make sure I don't yeah, cut you off before I mean, you finish. Uh, yeah. What we 
I, I don't want to speak for the collective. So sure. pardon if I say we, but I have seen on a firsthand basis what this, what these vaccines can do to people, not only to me, because if I really do have somatoform disorder or functional neurologic, I can't even say it, functional neurological disorder, um, then why is my father gone? Then why do I have another family member really sick? But what is also important to point out is that we've been like, you know, is leprosized the word? Like, a, is, lep is that a word? I'm not like, okay. I'm a it's a good word. I don't think it is, but I, I know what you mean. I just made it up. My brain is yep. awesome. Yeah, that's a good solid word. But there, there's a really good article that came out on science.org recently that has a lot of good researchers, not only in this country, but in other countries talking about regular long haul PASC and COVID vaccine injury and all the similarities they are finding. And, and those doctors are literally having to be brave in order to speak out like that. Like Indeed. I know one of them personally, I talk to him regularly. He has to be brave. He's doing this because his wife is also injured. Hmm. So the division, they have managed to even divide the sick people, right? That they, they have managed to divide re regular long haulers from vaccine long haulers. Like they still continue to try to do this divide and, and like, look, it's, it's just nonsensical. To say that 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 nobody got hurt from these things, or even nonsensical to say that a, that a lot of people got hurt from these things, when it's novel and experimental, and people have been being hurt by pharmaceuticals and vaccinations since the very first flu shot. You know, like how it's just yeah. unscientific. But but the gaslighting, the gaslighting from the medical community has got to stop. Like that is what I get so angry about. Like you are, I'm not gonna remember the quote, but there's a quote about dealing with pain and grief. And in order to be able to do that, it has to exist, like it has to be recognized. Right. And you have, I don't know how many, a lot of people all over the world that are being told that what is happening, what they are physically seeing with their eyeballs happen to their body, what they are feeling inside of their body happen, what they know is happening to their mind, their psyche, their memory, their attention, their soul is not real. And I don't know how you get more harmful than that. And what is what first do no harm? Yeah, I think we it's are really, people really... are people are hurt. And and it's not just the medical community. It's you know, they've managed to divide all of us so much. I was a flaming liberal. Now I'm nothing. 
<laughs> I had a degree in social justice. I was a flaming liberal. Now I'm like, I want no part of any of this. Like what, like now I, you know, like this has made all of us question ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, our, what's actually real and what's not like with our bodies and with society and the world and we don't trust people because we've been hurt by them like i don't tell my neighbors what's wrong because then they might not like me anymore and i yeah. need neighbors like people are hurt and this and this gaslighting and this just unscientific dismissal of this issue You're, they're like they're killing people. Well, it's not just unscientific; it's inhuman, and it's uh, it's without any level of empathy or concern for you know our fellow man. And I think, at least speaking for me, the reason that this show exists is because these stories do need to be heard in an unfiltered way that people can actually get the truth. And for some reason, podcasts haven't been censored much. I mean, really, people get attacked for saying things on podcasts, but they don't necessarily get pulled down unless they're up on YouTube. There are friends at Google, of course. But uh, regardless, that's why we we need voices like yours, Kelly. And and I know, you know, you had, if you don't, you don't mind me sharing this, you had some real concerns about coming on the show just based on your cognitive abilities right now and having an hour-long conversation about this uh i anticipate is <laughs> i think no i'm fun. slumping i think i'm slumping to the side a little bit now yes <laughs> yes I, yeah. I had concerns for many reasons and yeah. that's because well one every time i've tried to say something either nobody responds or they deplatform me or they terminate me from care yeah or or abuse me like i've actually had doctors put their hands on me like i've um, <laughs> and I also realized that there could be backlash, but I really don't care about that anymore. This has taken every, pretty much everything, but my little dog right here out of my life. So it's like, I don't have anything to lose. And if anyone wants to go in the comments section and say, that I was crazy in 1999. Well, that's, that's fine. What no one can ever say in the comments section is that I've ever been a liar, hmm. but it's also a lot of responsibility for me to come on here and, and say anything, right? Yeah. Like I, I felt a sense of responsibility in the group, you know, like, God forbid you say something that works for you and then someone tries it and then it might hurt them, you know, right. like, but we're on our own. It's like rogue out here. You know, it's the wild, wild west with Russian roulette. It's, you know, but, um, I did, I did want to go through because like what I get a lot and I am wearing a wig right now, by the way, one reason is because I lost a whole bunch of hair. I really did not need my five inch forehead to grow to seven inches, but it did. It did. It's not attractive. 
and my whole my me my whole hair changed all together. It's like I have eighty year old hair now and a big bald spot is is bad. But also I'm not I'm not ashamed of what I'm saying because I'm afraid of backlash. I'm actually just wearing it because I'm afraid a doctor might recognize me and then deny me care. Hmm. But um if you don't mind, um uh, I would just like to read a few of the things that I've been diagnosed with because um, they're bad. Sure. And a lot of people I get, I get a lot be because people didn't know me before because basically almost everyone from my old life is not in my life anymore for one reason or another. They say, well, you look fine. And I'm like, no, I do not look fine. You did not, I've lost 25 pounds and you have not, you did not know me before. Um, okay. These are, and, and I had pre-existing problems. Like some people didn't, some people were riding, running triathlons and whatnot. Again, I had some pre-existing problems, but they didn't impede my life in any significant way. Gotcha. Um, I have tinnitus. In my ears, uh, no reason for that. Most of us have that. Um, I think I'm on my third round of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Uh, rosacea, exacerbated restless leg syndrome, reactive arthritis, Raynaud's phenomenon, pulsatal tinnitus. These are all ICD codes. This is not just stuff I made up. <sighs> Uh, POTS, uh, I was diagnosed with long haul. I got somebody to do that. I had to fly somewhere to get it done, but I was diagnosed with post-acute sequelae of COVID-19, even though I have never had COVID-19. Pelvic floor dysfunction. I, I had obstructive sleep apnea, but now I have central sleep apnea. I have MECFS, or M CFSME chronic fatigue syndrome. I now have treatment resistant major depressive disorder. Um, mitral valve regurgitation, mild cognitive impairment of uncertain or unknown etiology, mast cell activation syndrome, hypermobility syndrome, hyperlipemia. I have a multinodular thyroid gourd goiter with 15 nodules on my thyroid. Nobody can tell me why. I have a hiatal hernia. I now have chronic post-traumatic uh, CPTSD. Intracystyle cystitis, which is the bladder disorder. I have iron deficiency anemia and I need iron uh, trans or infusions. I have gastritis. I have gastroparesis. I have dysmotility, which means I have to take medicine to make my stomach work. Um, I have fibromuscular dysplasia of both carotid arteries and I have carotid brute. Um, I threw, uh, uh, I threw lipid marks to my eyeballs. Xanthalasma, I'm not going to say it right. They were removed from both eyelids. The doctor told me that it was impossible for that to happen overnight. And I'm like, well, it did. 
I guess I'm manifesting cholesterol marks with my mind now. But if I threw lipids to my eyes, where else did I throw lipids to? Now my carotid artery is like 70% occluded. Hmm. I have upcoming tests for an MRI and an MRI to rule out stroke for gait abnormality. Um, I walk funny. Sometimes I fall down. Don't know why legs give out. Don't know why legs go numb. Don't know why arms and legs go numb when I bend them. Don't know why. Eustachian tube disorder. Easy bruising. Disequilibrium. Dysautonomia. Alopecia. Uh, my ADHD is now an actual cognitive problem. My Adderall I was on for a few years just completely stopped working and gave me tachycardia. So there's nothing that helps my attention now. Vitamin B12 deficiency, mood problems. Um, my spinal cord after a fall went from three bulges to now bulged all the way down from a fall and not being properly braced for my EDS. Um, high blood pressure, low blood pressure, sinus tachycardia, bradycardia. Um, there's the goiter. Nerve disorder, unspecified, night sweats, degenerative arthritis of the ankle, ankle peripheral venous insufficiency, chronic dyspnea, which is shortness of breath, um, abnormal weight loss, the xanthalasmas are what, what occurred on my eyes overnight, chronic GERD, chronic diarrhea, Chronic, chronic idiopathic constipation. I know I'm still going. Weakness, other fatigue, arthritis of the hip, chronic urticaria, back pain with sciatica. And I, oh, and they're missing the latest, most awful one so far, which is I've been diagnosed with an immune deficiency. They are calling it primary immune deficiency. Um, I don't know exactly which one it is yet because there are hundreds of them, but my immune system is not in working order. I, um, I basically am stuck in COVID forever because the precautions for someone with a primary or secondary immune problem are the same as the first week of COVID precautions. Avoid crowds, stay six feet from people, wear your mask, wash your hands, hand sanitize, keep no shoes in the house, all that, no concerts, no restaurants. I'm, I thought that's why I got the vaccine. And now I'm out there again wearing my mask. I just had to wear a mask to go get labs drawn yesterday. And I politely asked them if the person drawing my labs would wear a mask for my own safety. And they told me they didn't have any. And they So, what's that phrase? No good deed goes unpunished, right? Yeah, it's these stories that we tell on this podcast uh, and yours is certainly no different. In fact, yours is, is uh, plenty extreme even compared to many of the other injured that I've talked to. They are 
I get that it's a challenge for people to listen to these stories. It's nobody likes to hear this kind of thing uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, one is, you know, speaking for myself, just the feelings of uh, sympathy, sorrow, uh, whatever other emotions we could lump into that for you yourself and what you're dealing with. But the other one for me that I think makes it pretty difficult for a lot of people as well is nobody wants to believe that people are being treated the way that you're being treated. Right. You, they must, and be, I think, they must be making it up. Right. And to those people, well, I, and to those people, I say, next time you go to a doctor's office or a hospital, notice now that there are signs everywhere telling you to behave, asking you to behave and have respect for the doctors and anyone that's misbehaving or whatever, that's the, but they can act however they want. So, so the, the whole respect going two, way, two ways, that's just out the window along with a whole bunch of other things. Um, yeah. but, but yes, I think what you're saying is, is correct too because I understand how it's unbelievable because it's unbelievable. Yeah, but it's like, not even that. I mean, with like what is this, like what's happened in general and what has happened to my body is unbelievable. Like I've had doctors say I've never seen anyone get diagnosed with this many things like like well they say so quickly. Good job because it's just cuz I yelled at a bunch of people until they did what I wanted. That's pretty much how I got diagnosed. But yeah. but you know like, and I've had to do experiments and, and lie. Hence the wig. I lie. And then sometimes I don't. Once I realize they're not going to help, then I tell them what's up. Then I tell them what they're doing to people. Then I send them a link to a website that might help them understand better. Because if I'm out the door anyways, I'm at least going to light a little fire under somebody's behind on my way out. Right. Yeah. That's all. That's all we can do is be living witnesses. That's all we can do. And, and if, if that's the way I do it by just randomly, like when I'm leaving the hospital going vaccine injuries are real and screaming it out the window at a group of doctors, then that's what I'm going to do. Cause what, what else can you do to us to make this any worse? What, what? Well, and that's, that's what you, I mean, what you said is, is right. We have to be living witnesses and those of us who've not been injured, uh, but are sympathetic to the cause, uh, like myself and like many of the people listening, because <clears throat> frankly, most of the people listening to this show either are injured or know someone who is, um, or someone who's been, who's died. And so you're, you're going to be getting a lot of sympathetic ears, but it's still not easy to hear. Right. And so the point that I, I guess I'm trying to make to wrap this up is that we need to be those of us listening to this show that aren't dealing with the injury itself, because it is very, very challenging. I know too many people quite well now who are seriously injured from these, uh, these shots and not just injured from the shots, but injured 
emotionally from and physically from the treatment that they've received after these injuries. And we can't, we can't be willing to just push it under the rug and move on because it's hard to hear. It's hard to deal with. We don't want to listen. I challenge everybody listening to this show right now to challenge somebody else to listen to this show. Listen to this episode. Go back and listen to other episodes because unfortunately, as extreme as Kelly's story is, there are so many other people dealing with very similar circumstances. And it's not a few, it's not a handful, it's not a few dozen, it's not a few hundred, it's thousands and thousands and thousands. And, and it's so many people that I don't think have put two and two together yet. And it's either, and that may be some cognitive dissonance. Oh, for sure, for sure. But, Especially people that went into it very willing like you did. Right. Um, it's hard. Right. Like she must be crazy. Like this couldn't have happened or this couldn't have killed my mom. Like this couldn't have. No, yeah. that's just too much. That's not possible. The people. It, right. Yeah, it's bad. But but I but I, I do want to say to the and I do that, too. Like if I just witness to someone one on one, I'll ask that person to just tell one more. I said, do me a favor and just tell one one person today what I told you. That's what I say. Um, yeah, well, and, and that's exactly it. I mean, the word has to be spread. This is a medium that's easy to spread. It's very easy to share this. It's very easy to follow up with people and say, hey, did you listen? Uh, let's get the word out there because I don't believe that this fight is over. I believe that the awareness is actually higher than it's ever been. But it's still a significant battle, and well, there, there are still people, people are dying. Yeah, so it's yeah, like we, yeah. we we all feel like we're dying. Uh, I mean, right. not all, but most of us do. And there's very low percentage. Last time I checked, of our internal polls and scientific research that show we're getting any better. Uh, right. So, um, yeah. Now, now we live in a, a world that's that's scarier than ever while sick and alone. And a lot of us are alone because of that collateral damage that doesn't get talked about either. Like our families and our friends, you know, that like I've lost myself, right. Or I feel like I have, I've lost my abilities. I've lost my career. I've lost my money. I live paycheck to paycheck now, you know, when I never used to have to check my bank account for any reason since I was like 14 years old. Cause that's when I started working, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like, but the collateral damage is hard. I, I asked my best friend if she wanted to write something and what she wrote, like really hurt. It, it hurt me, but she's being honest, you know, if you want me to then to say, just basically saying that my mom says any understanding of each other's lives and decisions has just been erased. It's all about judgment from doctors, from family, from friends. I have two daughters that are vaccine injured and whose lives will never be the same. And I hurt for them every day. They're not getting the medical attention they need to help. Oh, sorry. I just lost it. That's my brain now. 
it's okay. We can edit to this help if them you live. Find they're it not free. getting the medical attention they need to help them live even a semblance of what they used to know as a somewhat normal life. And that's true. I have a ton of diagnoses and like no help. Like they just diagnose and run. Uh, she says she cries for me seeing how you used to be able to walk Lucy, my dog, and now you must do that very quickly because of your burning feet and no energy, afraid your heart will start acting up, not wanting to be neighborly any longer because you can't talk about everyday things and share your truth because you're afraid you're going to be judged and ostracized physically and mentally hurt by doctors because either they don't know what's going on or by not listening to you at all to try to describe what your body is screaming at you 24 seven. Yeah. That's my mother of two vaccine injured people and the ex-wife of my father who has passed away, who was doing just fine before. But my friend says, talking to me makes her feel guilty. She says, I do commiserate and hope with every fiber that somehow she'll get better. But in the meantime, I hate myself for wishing she would just talk about something else for once. And then I distance myself from her because I'm tired of hearing about her suffering. That makes me a bad person, right? As much as I love my friend and know that she will always be my friend, it's hard is so injured that they can't go anywhere, eat or drink anything enjoyable, or even just take a we could do that again someday. Simply the vaccine stole. Hmm. And I'm sure my family members feel that way too. My my nieces and nephews lost their fun aunt. You know, I'm I'm funny. I am. Like I have a great sense of humor, but I don't I don't find anything to laugh about anymore, you know? Um and uh, I think this has all made us even more sensitive to the suffering of others and those around us. And then when we are just not getting it back from the people who are supposed to love us the most or are supposed to help us medically, it's just... Um, I think one of the questions was, like, do you, do you think you'll survive this? Magic 8-Ball says Outlook not so good. I'm a realist. And based on these diagnoses, I don't have a very fun future to look forward to. You know, my friend was describing me as a vivacious, concert-going, sassy, beautiful foodie. And now I live a bland, dull, boring life alone. And I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Because this hurt so many people. But it's all in my head, right? <laughs> I'm, man I'm manifesting you it's with not. my mind, Jared. I've, I've manifested <laughs> you with my mind. Yeah, we both know it's not in your head. Well, Kelly, I appreciate your willingness to have this difficult conversation to put your story out there. I know it, it takes some level of 
energy that you probably didn't feel you had and certainly some bravery as well. And, um, yes, but, for, but it shouldn't have, you know, it shouldn't be brave to talk no, about. It should, but it is what it is to talk about, but it is, it is what it is. But yeah. I guess, I guess I've always been brave or stupid, whatever you, whichever one you want to call it. <laughs> but I just always had a sense of justice coursing through my veins since I was a small little kid. I did not like any trace of injustice. And now we have, we have suffered one of the biggest to maybe ever go down. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. All right. Well, what I can say for me, but I also can say, I know I can step in and say it for uh, some of your fellow injured, is that you, as much as you may feel alone all the time, uh, or often at least, you're not. There are people that care. There are people listening to this show right now. There's me. Uh, there are the wonderful people at React 19 uh, that are a resource, and we do love and we do care. And... Uh, you know, make sure that you keep that in mind as you're dealing with this and uh, utilize those resources the best that you can, because there are some truly incredible people oh, I know. I've met that some, are wrapped I've met up, some of the best people, the best, kindest, most interesting yep. people ever. Like me too. It's, yep. It just is like, did this happen to like all the cool people? Like I'm like, <laughs> That's what it seems like. Um, I've, but I've yes, said that so many times. Love, but I, w I would, I would love to have individual conversations with a, a lot of the people that I've lost touch with by not being able to access um, Facebook anymore. Um, and while I definitely wouldn't utilize it the way I did before, because the scrolling and seeing the suffering of others is like knives in my eyeballs in my heart now sure, it's sure. just you know these i've never felt more empathy and love and concern for people that i've never met before or know nothing about and if uh the rest of the world got on board with that maybe we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place so let's agreed so, so definitely react19.org is an amazing website run by amazing people and friends of mine that have just worked tirelessly with a lot of the same conditions I have. I don't know how they do it, but the best thing to do is just keep sharing that website and just hope that doctors will find it and that other injured people will find it. And just like, like we said earlier, just tell one person every day. Like screaming out your car window as you're driving by, like I do, like, you know, gorilla, just truth bomb them however you are able. And, yep. you know, that's all we can do, right? These stories need to be told and they need to be heard. And so I appreciate your time doing it today, Kelly, uh, very, very much. And for you listening, Kelly said it best, um, share it, tell it, get the word out. Um, don't just keep living your life, but actually do something, raise your voice. And as uh breed dress and our mutual friend says, uh, make sure that you remember team humanity and join that team. And, uh, let's get these stories told and make the change that needs to be made. Thank you. For Kelly, thank you again.
for joining me and for your time and for your effort. And for those listening, thank you for listening and for your, your willingness to listen and for your willingness to share. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text.